Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Becoming Your Own Boss, BYOB, the healthcare podcast. In this week's episode, we're really excited to introduce everyone to Veronica Villarreal. Veronica is the Chief Ambulatory Officer at DHR Health. She oversees over 73 clinic locations with 30 specialty and subspecialty care centers in the Rio Grande Valley. After spending the majority of her career in revenue cycle and clinic operations, Veronica now has a great concept of service line successes for quality patient care and the requirements that are needed for the collaboration from numerous clinical and non-clinical departments. Veronica has had a keen focus on creating standardized and innovative processes to be able to cut down patient wait times and something she's really personified and spoken to on our episode this week. She really talks about developing a servant leadership culture and is actively pursuing more training classes for the over 1,000 employees she oversees. Veronica is a certified medical coder, certified medical office manager, and a certified medical insurance specialist. Her education is comprised of a master's of health administration and business administration from the University of Houston Clear Lake. With that, we want to talk a little bit about what and how Veronica came to be part of our network and how we came to know her. Joe, do you want to talk a little bit about our conversation with Veronica in San Diego? Uh, wow, it seems like forever ago, but it was less than six months ago. Yeah, in, in sunny San Diego. Uh, <laughs> Opposite we, of sunny San Diego. <laughs> um, we had a conference session talking about podcast focusing on early careers and mid careers and Veronica was in the audience with a couple of members of her staff and she talked to us about you know some of the challenges that she was seeing and you know that those questions really resonated with us and they're they're so important because as young leader as you'll you'll find out on the episode she had to really learn quickly she was really awesome and we got to talk with her after the, the session that we had. And um, yeah, we're really excited to get her to the podcast. Yeah, I think um, if you don't know Spanish, you'll learn some today. Uh, if you want some uh, witty uh, banter and lines to use in your work, uh, you'll learn some of that as well. Uh, so without further ado, we're, we're really excited to introduce Veronica Villarreal, Chief Ambulatory Officer at DHR Health. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. Um, I think the session that we went to, I was kind of like, this is for me. We had gone through like every day and it was a lot of more like teaching, not really. Let me ask someone of my age, of my peers, you know, how do they do it? What, what different, I guess, obstacles are they facing how do they navigate through not just work but work-life balance um how do we make a difference how do we help others as we're still helping ourselves I think that was really exciting and that's why I really wanted to get on your podcast so when you all asked me I'm like yes <laughs> 
This is something that I've never done, um, but it's something that I think is good. Just like we had talked about Freddie in San Diego was the Latino community. I think that's a big deal for me um, as a Latina young woman in a Hispanic dominated community, but not in a Hispanic dominated field. So I think those were some of the questions that I had also asked you, how we as, you know, different ethnicities kind of be able to navigate that when we know a lot of like the healthcare field is still very, you know, male, white dominated. Yeah. And I think we've got a few questions we want to ask about that tonight and we'll definitely dive into that, but I will share with the audience. So we thought it was incredibly ironic and it really took me a, a second to take a step back because we found out with time that the session that we were holding was what our podcast was hoping to do to enlist young and early careerists and how to help them advance in their career. And Veronica sitting in the audience asking us, as she's a part of the C-suite, how you navigate these different areas, how you gain influence. So I, I kind of looked at Joe and Notkin at the time and I said, I think I'd want to hear from you on that. Uh, so we, um, it was a good time, but it, I think you said it perfectly, right? It's we're all navigating through different aspects of our career. We're all trying to, you know, not only advance in ourselves, but bring those along with us who may or may not look like us, uh, who may not sound like us or the community that we serve represent us. And I think, you know, I've had many conversations in this day and age with a lot of my colleagues, uh, from across the diaspora of all minorities. And I think diversity in all kinds is, is perfect, but how do you have those conversations and drive those themes forward? I think sometimes it's difficult, but I, I think um, you know having the ability to bring that to the workplace, both in how you present yourself and who you are is, is a really great topic. So why don't we jump into that a little bit, Veronica? Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and, and maybe a little bit about your healthcare background? Yeah, of course. Um, so a little bit about myself from a healthcare career. I did grow up in a Hispanic dominated and I did go get my master's in healthcare administration, business administration in Houston, Texas. So that's like five hours from where I live. And then I ended up moving back here after I did an internship at the hospital health system that I'm currently in. And just kind of fell in love with the goals, the vision of the company. And that's really what keeps me here is just what we do for the community. Um, I think that's just really important for my own career passions and my focus, right? So I did start as a pre-med undergrad and that was, I wanted to help others. So what was the thing that that is like the most important thing to help others is you first think of being a doctor. So after I took like a few classes with chem physics, I was like, this is not for me. You're making but, my head hurt thinking of OCHEM and physics and biology as I go back to my undergrad days. Yeah, it was pretty intense. I met um, a friend of mine that's still my friend and he was my genetics lab partner and was like, what are you going to do after this? And I said, I don't know. He was like, well, I'm going to actually go into the administrative side of 
healthcare and it's this program you should maybe look it up and that's really honestly how I ended up in getting my master's in healthcare administration it really wasn't like this was my goal when I was a little kid I my only goal was I wanted to help others so that's really has been my driving force that still is um, in just different capacities. I just didn't think when I was an undergrad that there could be different capacities of how you could help others and not just treating patients or, you know. So that's really how I got into that. And I've been at the same health system now that I'm currently in eight years. So I've kind of just moved up um, fairly quickly probably like out of my comfort zone quickly, but I've made it work thus far with obviously a lot of mistakes along the way. Yeah. And I think I want to get back to that last piece that you were speaking to, because that's one of the pieces that we gravitated to when we were speaking in San Diego. But I think one of the things that has been synonymous across many of the guests that we've had is how many of us didn't think that we'd be doing this in undergrad or even, you know, growing up, I think if we took a poll of all of our guests, it would probably be maybe one or two who said, you know, when I was 10, service line operations is what I was going to do. <laughs> you know, you, you kind of find a discovery and a love for this work. So I, I appreciate you sharing that story because I think it'll resonate with a lot of people. Can you tell us a little bit about where you're from in Texas? And, you know, what were the things that you were really excited about when you were growing up? And, I think you've mentioned, you know, already quite a bit, you love helping people. That's incredibly important and vital to you. Uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about your role today uh, and the company that you're at and, and how you actually accomplish that with your day-to-day and in the organization that you're in. So we're actually in the tip of Texas. Um, McAllen, Texas is where I, I actually live. And I oversee 73 clinic locations in an 82 mile, 83 mile radius. How many um, so, times a day do you say that line or how many times? Do you- <laughs> <laughs> but it's really, I think it's really amazing um, the health system and how much we've grown. So we do have 70 clinic sites with over 35 different specialty and subspecialty care. So what I primarily oversee is specialty care, not um, primary care at this time, which is something that we are looking into. And uh, I have around a thousand employees, over um, 177 providers, 50 mid-levels. So it's a big operation. Um, Sometimes I don't like to say it out loud because that's when I'm like, oh, yeah, it is a lot. (laughs) Growing up by a very hardworking woman, my mother, my dad passed away when I was one. So that's pretty much she didn't have an education and um, she kind of just worked hard and moved up that way. So me and my sister kind of, she's like our superwoman. And I think that's really all I know is her way of how she raised us was never depend on anyone, you know, get your degree and work hard. So that's really been my focus point, like really all my life is how do I make her proud is always on the back of my mind. So I think that also helps me push forward. And what would my mom say? Would my mom want me to act like that? You know, sometimes we get caught up in stress and then 
I always think about her and she always tells me, you're very blessed. Why are you stressed? And, you know, I, I tend to take a step back and I'm like, she's right. I'm 33 years old. Why am I complaining? I just need to push forward. It'll be okay. So I think that's been my biggest, I think I know is my mom. She's my best friend. We just lived very humble. Um, I still try to, like, I pinch myself if I do feel like I'm getting a big head, I guess. (laughs) And then I start to think like, that's something that I do tell people is don't pop your collar because you have a title, use your title to help others. That's kind of been my motto, but a lot of it comes from my mom, you know, putting me in check. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think, you know, those words you just spoke, Veronica, I think resonate with a lot of people uh, who not only listen to this podcast, but probably got into the line of work that we're all in. I think sometimes, you know, serving those around you and doing it through the clinicians that you partner with and serve with. Um, can be a grueling job. And, and especially in this time, at, you know, we're approaching a third year of potentially a pandemic. How do you go through that and, and really understand that? So I think finding that motivating force, that thing, that Northern star that keeps you going is incredibly important. Uh, a quick shout out to all the moms in the world. I haven't mentioned it on this podcast, but I have a very similar story to the one that you have. And, um, you know, my mom is, is everything in this world. And, um, you know, we should preserve all of them because they're a national treasure. But, you know, I, I very much identify and, and resonate with the story and, and the kind of person that your mom represents for you as it does for me. So I appreciate you sharing that. Can you talk about all the steps on the way in your career journey that led up to kind of being in this position um, to help yeah. kind of inform so, how you go about things? Yeah, I don't want to, I don't know if it's luck or like my mom says, blessed or hard work or all of the above. Um, I started as a healthcare intern here with, um, her name was Linda Resendez and she was great. She's still my mentor. She, I was just going to be a summer with her and she was like, I'd really like you to stay for another semester. So I did. So I ended up staying eight months with her and she had just started here. So she came from corporate and this is a physician owned hospital. So it's a little bit different. Um, decisions are made faster because the board's here. It's not like um, a corporate health system where you're kind of told what to do from corporate um, here the decisions are made fairly quickly, we can move faster. So she kind of told me, this is how we do it here, but this is how corporate does it. So she really opened my eyes of how much work hospital operations is. And that's really how, where I started. She made me shadow the ER. Um, Then I was able to, when I finally moved back, I was under the chief revenue officer and the president, both very strong, educated, smart women. And they kind of took me under their wing and I did special projects for them. So I was able to work on projects with pharmacy and nursing and the front end and the financial piece and the back end, which is the business office and kind of 
get to build those relationships with these department heads. And after that, I moved into the ambulatory care setting because they, they needed help from just getting things going. They had a fewer clinics and the, which was my former boss, he met with me and was like, I really want you to get on my team. And at first I kind of played hardball because I was like, should I leave? Should I not? Should I go? I don't know anything about the clinics, but I ended up after him convincing and convincing, um, I ended up going this way, which was the best thing for me. I feel um, I really was able to bring the revenue cycle side into the clinic operations, learn the clinic operations, plus the compliance of the clinics um, through being his right hand, which I don't think it was supposed to happen. He was just supposed to have more support, but we ended up just being a great team. And so that's how we would work late hours, weekends, and we just loved it because it was something new and we wanted to make it better. Um, he ended up moving to a higher role and that's when he he asked me and the CEO like would I like to take this position at first I didn't want to and the reason why was because I hadn't really dealt with physicians that was one of the things that I didn't know how to do I wasn't comfortable doing um being young a woman and really not experienced as a chief, um, really, that's what really scared me was, was I going to be able to work with them? Um, were they going to respect my decisions? So after long convincing was, if you don't take it, somebody else will. <laughs> so the reason I honestly, the reason why I took it was I don't want anyone else to boss me around because I don't know if the vision of his or hers was going to be the vision that we had already created. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to put on my big girl panties and, you know, take it. So that has been three years now. So I've been the longest reigning chief ambulatory officer at DHR Health. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I have to ask, you know, when we think about the C-suite and we think about these senior positions, you usually look at people who've had a long tenure of either successes, have broad experiences from other places. If I'm doing my math right, and I didn't ask for your age, I disclosed it. You ascended to the C-suite when you were 30 years old, and that's a pretty incredible uh, accomplishment. So congratulations to you. Talk to us a little bit about what it's been like to be in that position and maybe some of the challenges you face, because I think as not only a female leader, a Latina, someone who is representative of your community, I think that speaks volumes to a lot of people who would want to rise into that position, but I'm sure it also brought its challenges. And, and we'd love to hear a little bit about what that's been like. And you've obviously been in the position for three years now. You said you're the 
longest tenured in that position. So talk to us a little bit about how you've overcome some of those obstacles and, and what those were at first. I, meeting with the physicians was my first step and the reason so I had built some relationships with some of them and that was one of their first advice is once you get the physician support everything else will follow and to be honest that really has helped me because at the end of the day that is our role is to help them see patients and that quality care patients Um, I think the biggest obstacle for me was being able to have that confidence to talk in public in that sense of putting it together, knowing my audience, um, because it is different, you know, presenting to C-suite, presenting to a finance committee, presenting to um, 177 providers, everybody has is engaged in a different way. So I think that was one of my biggest fears is speaking, not actually speaking, but speaking to the correct audience in the way that they would really understand what I was talking about. Um, the mistakes maybe that I've done is I think I'm just really passionate. So sometimes when I speak is like, okay, don't get defensive. I'm like, I'm not, I'm just like really passionate about this project. So then they think I'm like getting upset, but I'm not because I know how much work it entails just because I've started from the bottom up. I understand that processes aren't easy. I understand the buy-in. I understand who needs to be involved. How do you get them to engage? Employees are not going to do what you say all the time. They need to know that it's going to be easier for them. So those are things that sometimes I am too detailed where I kind of say they see sweet in a sense is very high level, right? Which they should be, which I should be. But because I've come from starting up and I still feel like I have to defend what I believe in. And sometimes that's gotten me in trouble. Like less is more. Calladita te quedas más bonita. <laughs> you know? Uh, do you want to translate that for our audience who may not <laughs> The more you sit over there and you don't say too much, the more admired you will be. <laughs> um, so, you know, I, I do have to ask, I think we're in such a difficult time in healthcare right now. There isn't an article that doesn't come out every single day that talks about pay challenges, frustration over vaccine mandates, how staff are burnt out some of the challenges that people are facing and the danger both from the pandemic, workplace violence, uh, PTSD they're facing from being in this place for years now. There's got to be a, a huge amount of your staff in your organization that really values the path that you've taken because you can speak to all levels of the work that you've done. Talk to us a little bit about how you take that motivation and that intrinsicness to the work that you do that you've told us is inspired a lot by your family and, and your mom and how you try to motivate others and, and how you try to motivate your staff. And even at the end of a long week, the things that 
you can still document and articulate to them that make them feel like, you know, Veronica believes in us and, and we believe in her uh, and we're going to be able to make this work. So I think one of, it's funny because one of, um, I guess she's my boss, everybody's boss, and she's the president here. And she says, you know, one of your strongest suits is employee engagement. I think the reason why she says that is because I wouldn't do something. I wouldn't ask someone to do something I wouldn't do. Um, during the pandemic, I didn't take one day off. Like I honestly worked Monday through Sunday and I just didn't think about it. I just kept going because I knew that if I was to break down, the team would break down. So I, I'm very blessed to have a great team. They really care about each other and care about me, thankfully, where, you know, we had to make masks um, at the time where the hospital did, but we had to sterilize them or pick them up in one area. So I was there every weekend with my team trying to separate the, the masks for the clinics. We would separate them, put them in a plastic bag, send them to um, sterilization at the hospital and do that every weekend. So I asked a few to come in and I never ask people to come in on the weekends and make it mandatory I ask and I always came in so I wanted them to know that I wasn't gonna ask them to do something and not be there too so I don't think I burned myself out because I was always thinking about the well-being of others really not of myself so I think that really helped me kind of go through it. I didn't really feel the pandemic in the sense of I was working from home. I felt the pandemic more. I had to take action. We had to implement stuff. We had physicians that helped us, you know, brainstorm ideas. How were we going to declog the lobby? How were we going to see all the patients? How are we going to get reimbursed on telemed? How are we going to set up these, um, platforms for them how are they going to get educated to document correctly for the telemedicine codes so I think just being busy kept me from thinking you know what am I doing so I think that's really helped me and plus when I say I care about others I really do um probably seven of my younger employees uh, four of them just finished their master's. The other three are in school. So I really applaud that. I support it. I think that's a big deal for me is to help others. And I think bosses or leaders or whatever you, whatever superiors or supervisors you want to call them should always ask employees what their future growth is you know do you want to stay in the company is this just a part-time job for you um those are the the questions that we have to ask to invest in our staff sometimes we can't help them from a monetary standpoint but we can help them from a support standpoint so that's really been um i feel my accomplishment is really 
having these young careerists going back to school, even if they do stay with me or not stay with me, I feel good that I was able to have a little bit of a, a part in their career growth. It seems so, to be probably more than just a little bit there. Yeah. We want to talk to you a little bit about some of the great work that you do on the development and mentoring and coaching side. Um, some of the conversations that we had in San Diego with you were about the, the platform that you use that you're in today. Uh, and I, I really like what you said earlier. It's that don't pop your collar when you have a title, use that title to help others. I love that. So can you tell us a little bit about some of the work that you have done in that space? Uh, and, you know, if you're speaking directly to our audience or any audience, you know, what are the types of activities and the work that you've done to help out other early careerists, whether that be a DHR health or across the country? So what I have done for early careers, I reached out to one of our um, universities to their, well, I actually had my administrative assistant reach out and I asked her, I said, please reach out to the one that's in charge of internships because I truly believe in internships. I think they're great. You get a great mentor um, and you're able to learn so much from that hands-on experience, especially someone that doesn't have that experience um, that you just right out of school. Internships, I think, are key to kind of build that confidence or really tell you this is the route I want to go or you know what, this it really isn't for me. Let me think of something else to do. So I now have an intern. I actually have two right now. I had an intern before. And that that's really how I want to help by having those interns that are not even just in the healthcare experience, just wanting to learn from, you know, from someone else. So internships are huge for me um, from a development standpoint with just the staff. I did kind of blast out an email probably six months ago, eight months ago, saying I have my open door policy, letting them know um, if you have any um, opportunities, if you are looking for any opportunities for growth, if you are wanting to brainstorm on ideas to help the organization, or if you have questions on DHR health and our vision, I'm more than welcome. I more than welcome you to come and, you know, sit with me so we can discuss. And I actually had a really good turnout. So I had a mid-level, I had um, an optometry tech, I had a manager, I had MAs, MOSs that wanted to be billers, um, that wanted to be more involved in maybe um, the ideas and the implementation process of stuff. So that was really cool because I really didn't think that I was going to get so much feedback and people wanting to meet with me. So that really opened my eyes that we do have a lot of diamonds in the rough that just want to be heard. And sometimes it's just hard when you're just in that day-to-day -day kind of work, right? Yeah, that that notion reminds me, Veronica, of something that I've heard at my organization. And I think it resonates really well with something you said earlier about you had a reluctancy 
to take the position that you're in today, but there was a lot of people who believed in you, you know, your predecessor before you was, you know, encouraging you, the, the top executives at your company were encouraging you. And he mentioned something to us to say, there's going to be a time in your career when you're tapped and you won't think you're ready and you may not be ready, but if there are people out there who are advocating for you and believe in you, then you step up to the occasion and know that you'll grow into that role. And I think in the same way that people have believed in you and now you have been able to ascend to this great role and be incredibly impactful, it's really incredible to see that come full circle in the way that you've come to your employees and say, let me invest in you, let me pour into you, because there is probably a much longer path to what you even think could happen. And let's enable that for you. And I, I think that's pretty incredible. You have a, a really great following on LinkedIn. You've been able to speak directly to the Latino, Latina community. Can you talk a little bit about what does your role allow you to do when it comes to relating to young Latina females who may want to be in healthcare, but who just want to be a leader and, and want to be able to represent their community and, and be able to you know impact in the way that you have? So the reason why I started um, being more active on LinkedIn was because I really didn't have anyone to kind of guide me that were not like male mentors or old, you know, older mentors, not my peers, where I could kind of just like, let me search or let me see a blog. I think that's why this this um, podcast is so important because we need more of it. Um, I think that was one of the things that I told you all. So I said, you know, I don't have a lot of time, but I want to separate it to be able to post articles on LinkedIn or even quotes to be able to, for Latina women, that was my first goal, you know, something to be able for Latina women to read and to relate. And then I said, why am I going to just niche myself like that? And I said, it needs to be more a millennial leader. And then, um, so I started that millennial leadership on LinkedIn. And then I actually had tagged, I don't know if you all have heard of Quint Studer. Okay, so I actually yeah, tagged I him in one of my, I guess, posts or articles. And he actually reached out to me. So we had like a 30 minute um, scheduled call where he gave me a lot of insight. And that was like, amazing because I didn't think that I would be able to talk to Quint Studer himself and him allowed 30 minutes to talk to me. So that's when I was like, you know what, anything really is possible. I think people say it. I didn't believe it until, you know, I was able, he was able to spare some time to talk to me and kind of just give me advice on just the whole healthcare, keep um, staying true to myself. That was one of his biggest things. He had read my two articles. Um, I did mention on one of them, like, I'm not a taco. I know I'm not going to please everyone, but my goal is to always be fair and to help. He kind of like quoted that. So I was like, okay, he did read it. (laughs) (laughs) So I, that was really cool. And that's kind of what I want to go back is be able to start posting more articles on LinkedIn on my mistakes so others won't have to make. But that was really why I started it because 
I didn't have, until I met you all, I really didn't have anyone in the healthcare field that I could like talk to about what we go through and the insecurities that we have because they're completely different from a different generation. So that that's really why I started the whole LinkedIn and trying to promote myself that way because it's not really promoting myself. It's just building awareness for others. That That's really why I do it. And it's so out of my comfort zone. Like <laughs> even this podcast is out of my comfort zone, but I always think like, is it gonna help or change someone's perspective on anything, life, career? So that's why I push myself to do things as well. Wow. I, I absolutely love that. And I will absolutely take that quote. I'm not a taco. I can't please everyone. Um, Joe, no. honestly, once you, you think you have it hardwired, you feel better about yourself. Okay. <laughs> that person will get over it. <laughs> now, what kind of taco are we talking about? Asada? Like now we yeah. get to the, yeah. <laughs> the Matamoros tacos. Those oh, are the best. Okay. All right. <laughs> Well, you know, Veronica, we, we've really enjoyed having you on. Um, I think the last thing we'll ask before we get to our producer fun question is, you know, you, you serve again as the chief ambulatory officer for DHR Health. You've shared your incredible story with us and, and you've been very kind with how you relate to people, what motivates you, how you motivate others. If there's a final piece of advice that you would give to our listeners, what would that be? So I think I wrote it down. Um, do the right thing. Do things that are out of your comfort zone so you won't regret things later. And stay true to yourself. I think that's a big thing that when Quint Studer told me, I said, you know what? It's true. Don't change to fit a mold because whether we believe in God, someone made us different for a reason. So let's, and that's what I say, don't compare yourself to someone else. I did mention that on one of my articles on LinkedIn was, I didn't know where I was going. I, there was people in my high school that already knew where they were going. They were already engineer, going to go to engineering school. So don't ever lose faith because I didn't think I was going to be in the C-suite ever, to be honest. That's not, when they tell me your goal, I'm like, I just want to work somewhere where I'm happy and making a difference. That, And that's what I tell. So I was actually on a, a virtual event with the master's program at one of our universities. And they asked me that question was what advice? I said, don't think about titles when you're wanting to move up. Because when you do that, you tend to want to just focus on that instead of focusing on your work right now. The titles will come when you put the work in it. What is the biggest surprise or surprising learning you have had as you have moved up from position to position to where you are at today? You know, it's funny. Biggest surprises... I honestly want to say is being able to make, honestly, I know I sound like a broken record, is making a difference in other people's 
careers. I think that's been my biggest surprise. I honestly did not think that at this age of my life that I could make such an impact on others. One of um, my employees, she actually moved to um, another health system and she's an administrator there. And the first year that she left, she came to visit me and it was on boss's day. So I wasn't in my office, but the team told me like, um, you know, so-and-so came to see you. So to me, um, she messaged me afterwards and she was like, I just wanted to, you know, I still miss you. I would not have left you, but I really encouraged her to go and grow because I didn't have a position open for her to be able to move into that. And I told her later, I said, go and grow, learn everything from them and bring back the best ideas. <laughs> so I'm still waiting for her to come back. Yeah. It, it, so it, honestly, it, those that is my biggest surprise is how even the employees or the team that has left to better their career, I still have contact with them. And I didn't think that that was a thing. Yeah, I've learned. And I think we all learned that healthcare is incredibly small uh, and the leaders and the, the prominent voices in the space are ones you continuously come back to. So I'm sure yours will be one um, that people continuously seek out and, and look for. And with that, how can people find your content? How can they learn more about what you're trying to do and, and what you're trying to do for communities of all types when it comes to leadership and, and development? Uh, LinkedIn, Veronica Villarreal. I want to say if you search it from McAllen, Texas, you should be able to um, find me on LinkedIn. And now a word from our sponsor. As you progress in your professional career, there are need-to-know associations that will help you get where you want to be. MGMA Medical Group Management Association is one of those associations. MGMA has been around for almost 100 years, but more important than their history is what they have evolved into. Today, MGMA is one of the most reputable sources of data, offers an industry-recognized board certification, and is the source of timely and valuable content produced weekly. MGMA is the resource you need, and we certainly believe they can help you in your career. Exclusive to our listeners, if you join MGMA with the code BYOB podcast, you will receive $50 off your membership. Once again, that's $50 off your membership. Take the leap, join the organization, and let MGMA show you the change they can make in your career. Visit mgma.com join today. We really want to thank Veronica for a wonderful interview. Uh, it's really great when you get to jump and do one of these interviews and, and jump on camera and you just see the smiles and the emotion and just the evocation of just motivation and inspiration that someone causes. And I think, you know, we don't always get the opportunity to be a little bit vulnerable in this podcast. And we really want to thank Veronica for her ability as a, as a chief officer to be able to speak to us and speak to our audience about the steps that she's taken to get to that point. I know myself in my role and in my career, you know, we're, we're really in the gaunt of it. You know, we've had some tough weeks here and I think you have long days and you think about what motivates us, what motivates our staff, what truly is that underlying mission and, and value and values that bring us back every single day. And, 
you know, her speaking about her mom and how important that is for her really reminded me about, you know, my own mom and, and some of the things that she had to go through to make sure that I had the ability to have a, a little microphone in front of me today and, and speak to the audience about how much I love what I do. So again, shout out to all the moms. Uh, I, I think we're incredibly lucky to work in a space where at the end of the day, uh, we're helping people who don't want to be where they want to be, where they are. They're seeing us in a hospital setting. They're seeing us in a, a clinical setting. Uh, maybe you work in consulting, you're helping out some of these patients as well. And regardless of where you are in the healthcare landscape, you're helping people who, who probably need it the most. So I hope the conversation with Veronica today really realigned for you what that Northern Star is for you. And, you know, when it's a, a long Thursday night, uh, there's a hopefully a bottle of wine that, that you can open up and a smile that you can crack because uh, we're all lucky to be able to be in this profession that helps out an enormous amount of people. So thank you, Veronica. Um, Joe, pass it on to you. Yeah, maybe some sweet tea too, but you'll hear, you'll yeah. hear about that in a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, definitely to piggyback on what Freddie said, it's um, definitely very inspiring, especially as, you know, we're in the throes of it, you know, going into our third year of COVID, as it seems today. It's like 158th year, but who's keeping going? <laughs> yeah. And I think another thing that came through is it's okay to be unsure, maybe a little afraid of different opportunities because, you know, there's always that mystery of the unknown. And I think going about it with humility and focusing on the hard work that needs to be done is something that Veronica really showed um, that she's done throughout her career. And I think it's something that um, we should focus on. So whether it's, you know, taking more responsibilities while, you know, keeping maybe a lower role uh, and moving laterally or taking advantage of being a fly on the wall, uh, C-suite conversations, just be humble and, and hardworking. And through that, you'll really get to where you want to go. Yeah, absolutely, Joe. I couldn't agree with you more. We're really excited for a lot of the episodes we've got coming up next. Keep sending in that information. Keep sending us messages. We really appreciate seeing it. Again, you can find us on LinkedIn, Instagram, on our website. And we're really excited because on the next episode, we'll finally get to share our favorite drink with everyone. With that, enjoy the episode. And uh, it was really great to hear from Veronica. Thanks again. And then the last one is a question that we always ask at the end of our podcast. What is your drink of choice, alcoholic or non-alcoholic? Drink of choice. <laughs> Honestly, unsweet tea. <laughs> I know it stains your teeth, but I love it. <laughs> it's the most Texas response you could have ever given us. <laughs> As you all know, we are sponsored by MGMA, so we wanted to take a second to shout out their career center. As an early careerist or recent college graduate, it can feel like you'll never land that perfect job or get in with that amazing company. Well, MGMA can help you with all those worries just by checking out their career center. They have a ton of resources like resume reviews, cover letter resources, and interview tips. If you're looking for a new job, I highly recommend utilizing all that MGMA has to offer, especially their job board where companies are looking to find highly engaged MGMA members like yourself to fill their roles. Visit mgma.com careers and see how the MGMA Career Center can help you today.